Speaking of leprosy, how many of you uh, remember the H1N1 flu virus? It was a non-event, right? One of you got one? Okay, somebody got it. Uh, you know, we, we were prepared for an epidemic or something, and, and you know, it was good to take precautions. We, we bought about 15 hand sanitizers. I couldn't remember the name of this last night, what the thing you wash your hands with. I asked God to help me, and at 3 o'clock this morning, I remembered, and I said, what took you so long, Lord? I don't want to know now. <laughs> it's funny how your mind works. But we, there was such a demand that they were back-ordered, you know. It would have been a good company to have stock in, you know. Um, it was, they were just, it was a huge thing. And, and as a result of that, of course, we, uh, we instituted a number of changes here in the mass and, uh, or how we do things. And there are several hand sanitizers in the, in the sacristy. I always wash my hands before, right before I come out because I shake a lot of hands. And then after I finish. And we had the Eucharistic ministers. We still do. They go back and wash their hands. Um, I remember the first week or two after we started this, there were several, I can remember this very well, uh, a couple of Eucharistic ministers came out kind of like this. <laughs> One of them was doing this. You know, he was at the last mass. I looked at him what I was doing, and he recognized himself. And, but of course, what they were attempting to do—I put a stop to that we, that paraliturgy immediately. You know, but we—they were trying. To, what they were trying to say is, we're clean. We we have we have cleansed ourselves. They were really advertising that because you know it was a serious sort of thing. And this is. And, you know, even the Jews, they had all these elaborate cleansing rituals and things. And, and this last week, um, in fact, uh, one of our staff members has pneumonia, and, and I, I caught something as well. Fortunately, what that wasn't it. It was a, a very quick thing. It used to be I'd always get laryngitis. So I'm actually rather filled with joy today. I got over this thing in, in like six days uh, and didn't get particularly sick. But on Thursday, it was so bad I couldn't even, I just couldn't get out of bed except... I tried, of course, but but it, the the thing is is that I I came into mass. I did mass every day, and I very elaborately and visibly washed my hands. Let everybody know that I was doing my due diligence, you know. And but you feel like when you have a cold uh, that there's a force field around you, you know, you know what I mean. You come up and say, "I have a cold," and everybody steps back, just like Jesus. Uh, did in the la at, at the Garden of Gethsemane when everybody took a step back when he said, I am he. You know, it's kind of like this invisible force field like Star Trek or something. You walk around and you're unclean. You want to yell, I'm unclean. I've got a cold. I'm unclean. Don't come near me. And this is, uh, we find in the gospel today is that what Moses is talking about in Leviticus is not just leprosy like you find on Molokai with Damien the leper, even until the beginning of this century, until antibiotics came in, um, this is what lepers would do. They'd go off by themselves in a colony because it was very contagious. People didn't know what to do with this. But it was any kind of obvious skin disease. And the, the rule was to protect everyone else, you know. So the person who had leprosy then would have to be outside the camp. This is initially when they were wandering in the desert, but after there was a, the state of Israel, they would, they would have to be by themselves. They formed their own group. They weren't allowed to work. They had to beg for alms. Giving to a leper was, a, was considered 
a holy thing to do. You know, they wouldn't come near them, but they'd put money for them. This, they would beg. This is how they lived. And it was a very un unfortunate thing. They were social outcasts. And this was a very ugly disease. It smelled and it looked bad. And they, they would dishevel their hair, if you were listening closely to the reading. They wore sackcloth. They rent their garments. This is, they would literally put a tear in the garment. You know, some of you actually pay good money for garments that look like that. <laughs> uh, but in those days, and this was a tradition carried on in the church. A person with, with the leprosy of a lot of sin, if they were doing penance, they would wear, they would rend their garments, you know. Uh, and um, you get this kind of idea during Lent. So, so the law then would not permit the leper to come near anyone. So we find in the, like with the 10 lepers that, that were healed and only one gave thanks, they stand at a distance and call to Jesus and say, Master, take pity on us. But they're, they're, they're far away. But look what this leper does. You probably didn't notice because it's, we're not Jewish, we don't think this way, but he comes right up to Jesus. He's not supposed to do that. He's unclean. He's breaking the law. He, he trusts Jesus' compassion, and he's desperate. But as he approaches Jesus and kneels right in front of him, which, of course, is, is against the law, you can see all those around him in that first chapter are probably backing off so that they won't be made unclean, and they don't want to catch what he's got. So this, you can see this circle forming around Jesus as they watch him. And here comes this leper, and he kneels right in front of him and says, Lord, if you want to, you can heal me. Not that faceless comment someone else made later on that said, if you can do anything, please heal my daughter. Jesus was very offended by that. This man says, if you want to, you can heal me. And uh, this is, of course, God Almighty. See how, how much need there is in the world. Everybody in the world is, is chasing after Jesus after he does this. Uh, it, it's just human condition hasn't really changed much, has it, in the last 2,000 years. We all have these great needs. Uh, we're all that leper. Every one of these stories is about us, really. But, but Jesus, of course, says he takes pity on him, you know. He's standing in front of humanity. and God is just so merciful, he just can't wait to heal this man. He says, of course I want to, you know. Uh, I want to do this for you. But he knows this man is going to cause trouble for him. You know, but he's healed, he heals him anyway. The, man, the man's personality doesn't change. That part is not healed. You know, uh, So Jesus touches him and heals him. Now, the interesting thing about the story is not only was the man not allowed to approach Jesus that close, but Jesus was not allowed to touch him or he becomes ritually impure. So when Jesus could have healed at a distance, and he often does. Why does he deliberately touch, of all things, a leper? Because he wants to take on that man's leprosy himself. He, in a sense, takes it on because he becomes visibly, ritually impure for the sake of the man who's being healed. What he's saying is, I'm going to take your sins on. I'm going to bear your sorrows. I'm going to bear your sufferings. When you come to me and I touch you, I'm going to transfer it to my divinity and my humanity. And for proof of that, 
you can see the cross behind us. You know, the, the suffering of Jesus, who was innocent. This is all of our common sins. The, the sins and grief of all humanity is, is visible on Jesus on the cross, which we see every Sunday at Mass. It, it's the proof of his love. He's touched us, and this is the result uh, of, of that touch. He is taken to be ritually impure, though he has no such thing, of course. Being God, he has the right to, to, uh, to, uh, to do what he did. But people don't know that yet. You know, they just see Jesus doing something that seems imprudent. And the man, of course, is immediately healed. He's given a, one simple instruction. Go show your, well, two instructions. Go show yourself to the priests, which is part of what the law requires. And then don't tell anybody. The man goes right out and blabs to everyone. Uh, you know, so from the beginning to the end, he doesn't follow the law. You know, he doesn't do what Jesus asked him to do. But Jesus healed him anyway. But, but the thing is, is that I really doubt that any of us could keep our mouths shut after a thing like that. I mean, the man's been begging. Everybody in town knows he had a cup in his hand. Suddenly there he is. How, how, how'd this happen? Well, I really couldn't say. That would be a hard sort of answer. Well, it was Jesus of Nazareth, you know. He, I don't know. But So Jesus then, um, this ritual is actually something somewhat familiar to us as Catholics. It, it really is one thing that says in the description of the sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, when someone comes in to, to reconciliation and the priest stretches out his hand, he doesn't touch the person, but it's Jesus that's doing this. The priest doesn't have power. It is, I'm just to fill in for Jesus. And he says, and I absolve you from your sins. At this point, Jesus is, is taking the, the leprosy of sin right off of you and it's going right onto him. And this is why there's a, a box of Kleenex in there because, and it gets used a lot because the, the, the effect can be so powerful, particularly when we're carrying the leprosy of an unforgivable sin. And this is where reconciliation is most powerful when we cannot forgive ourselves. There are just some things that we do that we simply can't get over because we can't undo it. And the effects continue and we can't forget. Reconciliation doesn't take away the effect of the sin or our memory, but it does say, the Lord says, I have really forgiven you. I am going to take this horrible burden on myself. And, and you get this, this transference of that leprosy onto him. And this is true whenever we come to Jesus with our problems, is that if we allow him to touch us, he will heal us. But, of course, we have to have faith, like the leper. If you want to, you can do it. That's his faith. And then we have to come to him and kneel there. The man had to take the initiative and actually uh, make himself known to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, no doubt, saw the leper in the distance, but uh, he waited for the leper to come to him. In other words, he respected his human dignity. Um, and this is what he does with us. If he sees the slightest movement, he will often come running to us. Sometimes he wants us to come and he waits for us. And sometimes we have to look for him because he's off praying somewhere in the distance like we heard uh, last week. We also see that... Um, so you have this dynamic where all of us carry various kinds of leprosy in our lives. Um, and there are other times when, so we take that role sometimes, and other times we ourselves uh, are called to be Christ 
because God is going to put lepers into our lives of one kind or another. We don't see people walking around with skin diseases very often that are visible. But what we do see are people who are unlovable, people that have a force field around them. All of you uh, remember, I'm sure, almost everyone's had the experience, especially in elementary school, sometimes high school, that there's always one kid that nobody likes and it seems like everybody avoids or they pick on and maybe it was you. And this person... Uh, it's as if they have leprosy, you know? And it takes courage to be the friend of that person or to not join in the, in the, uh, in the talk about them or making fun of them. It, it, takes, it takes a lot of courage to, to, to not participate in the water cooler gossip against the, the boss that deserves to be talked about so much or the person that's, that's constantly goofing off or has an odd love life or something and everybody's talking about it. And, and these are lepers, see? And it's as if the Lord then invites us to imitate what he's done and said, I, not only do I not want you to run away, I want you to touch them somehow with your own healing hand and you will be me. And so we have both of these roles. You, there are all kinds of lepers in, this, in our world today. I mean, one thinks of interfaith hospitality. A lot of us don't directly participate in that, but, but our church does. And people that are homeless are often like lepers. We, we pretend it doesn't exist. It's getting a little harder to pretend these days, isn't it? Um, and they're uh, people that are perhaps of a different political persuasion or color or that sort of thing. It's kind of obvious. Um, people that are unlovable or seem to be in some sort of visible sin and we want to say, oh, you're unclean, let's walk away. This is not the way Jesus acted, you know. He, um, he was willing to become ritually impure to save them and God will, a relative that we don't want to be with, you know, and all these things are God's way of encouraging us to be like him. So whether at times we are the leper coming to Jesus, we, when we are that leper, we know that God will always stretch out his hand in mercy if we take the initiative. If, in fact, we are called to be Christ, he will put one in our path, and we are called to show mercy. So in that way, mercy has two hands. The one is the one that we... Um, the one that we hold out to God, saying, Lord, have pity on me. If you want to, you can heal me. The other hand is stretching out to others to give mercy when God presents the opportunity to us. So the two together form a prayer, a whole person, uh, a man of God that glorifies God in everything that he or she does.